As, as great of a week as it's been, today's the best day, friends. I mean, today is Easter Sunday. You don't need for me to tell you what that means. It's, it's Easter. The message today is quite simple. It's about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're expecting today a different message, I don't want to disappoint you, but you're not going to hear it. This is Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. Make no mistakes about it, friends. We are going to preach about Jesus today. If that bothers you, if that offends you, you can step outside for the next 30 minutes, okay? Because this is about Jesus, our, our Savior. He was dead on Friday, but today, up from the grave, he arose. Don't believe me, look at your Bible. John chapter 20, verse 1 is where we're going to be today. John chapter 20, if you've got your word or if you don't have it on your phone, you can look at our screen and it will be up there for you to follow along. Verse 1, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, share that multiple women came on this morning with Mary to care for Jesus' body, but John only states that Mary came. Historically, it's believed and probably true that multiple women was there, but John was an evangelist, and he only stated that Mary was there to draw the audience's attention to the character of Mary Magdalene. Jesus had healed Mary, and she was possessed by demons. Actually, she was possessed by several demons. Mary had become a follower, a close follower of Jesus. She was in the mouth of a lion. Her life was controlled by Satan. Literally, imagine the horror, friends, of being possessed by a demon. Imagine every day waking up knowing <laughs> what that must feel like. Some of you have been there. Some of you have been controlled by sin. Your life has been just absolutely destroyed by the grip of Satan. Friends, let me tell you, there is power in the blood, friends. What, what you may be going through has nothing on the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Mary is an example, a champion of the grace of God that's found only in Jesus Christ. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what situation you are in, no matter how much trouble you're in, friends, there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I promise you that if you give your troubles over to him, that he will save you. He will hear your cry in the wilderness and he will deliver you from evil. Mary went when it was early, an indication of her commitment. Friends, prior to Jesus coming into Mary's Life, she was a broken person. And today we see her change. Her life has been changed. Jewish tradition says that they were to view the tomb for three days to ensure that the deceased was in fact dead. And particularly in this case, it was also to make sure that nothing had happened to Jesus' body. Verse 2, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out 
with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. A few weeks ago, we had a, a sports banquet here at the church for the wrestling team at Central High School. We ate dinner in the fellowship hall, then we came in here and we did the awards banquet and then we went back into the gymnasium and we played basketball and it was the old coaches versus the players. I never felt so old in my life. And, uh, but afterwards, I, I realized that I didn't have my cell phone on me. So I just retraced my steps. I, I thought I had it last in the fellowship hall. So I went in there and I, I looked for it and didn't see it. So I came back here. I was in the sound booth helping Seth out. So I, I was not, it wasn't there. I went to my office. It wasn't there. And I went back to the gym and I looked there, went out to my truck and I, I retraced my steps again and nothing. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I, I had people call it and I looked on my, find my phone on my iPad and computer and there was nothing. There was no hope. No, no I mean, it was just gone, vanished. I'm like, where did I put this phone at? You know, I finally just kind of gave up. Everybody had left and I was tired. I'm like, well, it's just a phone, right? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? So early, somebody will find it. As I was leaving, I went into, back into the fellowship hall and saw that the kitchen light was on. So I went and I shut it off and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and look in that trash can. Maybe I threw it in there. And so I'm pillaging through the trash and sure enough, there was my cell phone. I tell you this not to discourage you from asking to borrow my cell phone. Uh, I, uh, I think sometimes it's easy to lose things. Phones, keys, wallet, shoes, 10 millimeter socket. I mean, there's just sometimes it's just easy to, it's, you misplace things, right? But you don't lose a tomb, a, a body in a tomb. I mean, you don't lose a dead person who's been buried. It's just, it's unheard of. It's unfa I mean, just think about, you don't lose a deceased person in a tomb. When Mary saw that Jesus was no longer there, when she saw that the tomb, the stone had been removed, she didn't think about Jesus bringing Lazarus from the grave. She didn't think that Jesus was alive. She didn't think that Jesus had risen. She thought somebody took him. So Mary ran and told Simon and John, the author of this gospel. Listen to what happened next. Both of them, verse 4 states, that they were running together. But the other disciple, John here, he just ran, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he, John, saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Friends, I'm not sure about you, but when... My friends are in need. I would like to think that I'm going to be there for them. This week I watched the, the police officer who was one of the first on the scene at the school shooting in Nashville where six were killed by an armed gunman. If you read the reports, the shooter had plans to not just go to that school but to go to other schools as well. It took them 14 minutes, friends, the police, to get in that building, find that shooter, and eliminate the threat. I mean, just think about that for a minute, friends. He dropped everything. This police officer said that it's an act of God that he was there. I mean, he said, he goes, I've never by this area, never by this school. It was just by God's grace that he was there. 
He goes, when he got the call, he stopped everything, dropped everything, and went right into that school, facing the danger. When Peter, I mean, I just, let me say this. I, I, I'm so grateful that we have people like that in our community who are willing, when everybody is fleeing danger, they are willing to go and face it. Amen? But, I mean, Peter and John, they heard the report from Mary, and they dropped everything in that moment, and they ran toward the tomb. I, I think this is funny. I love that John here shared. I mean, he made sure that everybody for all of history who reads this gospel knows that he's faster than Peter. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just, I mean, I love the competitive nature of this, you know. I mean, Dave, I, 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 I'm not competitive at all, but if my staff and I got in a race, I guarantee you I'm winning that race, you know what I mean? Like, Rod, I see you over there, man. I see you. Listen, don't even try it, man. I Listen, I'm an old man, but I, I'm, I can still smoke some pavement. Now listen, I just, I just, I love this. I mean, I just think it's funny. But here he is. John gets there and he assesses the situation. He sees Jesus' clothing and he doesn't enter the tomb. Friends, if, if it's grave robbers who took the clothes, who took Jesus, they're, they're taking the clothes too, right? I mean, these are worth money these clothes are expensive, these grave clothes. I mean, if it's grave robbers that are taken, why wouldn't they take the money as well? If it's soldiers, they aren't leaving his clothes behind either. I mean, they say that the spices that they use to care for his body would be like a glue. Can you imagine a bunch of soldiers, a bunch of men, so you know what makes this a lot easier? Let's take his clothes off and grab his sticky body and try to move it that way. Makes, I mean, like, do you think a bunch of men are going to be like, that's what we should do? Makes no sense at all, right? John sees this and recognizes that something in this situation is not right. You ever walk into a room and think, something's not right. Your intuition tells you, you nothing's said but you can sense there's tension, there's something going on here that I don't know about. But something's not right. At first, John has no idea what is going on. But he knows enough not to go into the tomb. He sees the burial clothes. He sees that Jesus wasn't there and says, I'm not going in. Look at the personality differences between John and Peter. Verse 6, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been used for Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Peter gets there and just walks in. He takes no time to observe, no need to wait for the police to show up. He just walks in like he owns the place. Amazing, there are times when Peter, he faces no fear at all. He gets out of the boat, he walks on water. I mean, he's here today. I mean, he's going in, guns blazing. But then when a little girl asks him, aren't you one of the ones who follow him? He gets afraid and scared. Peter is a lovable character because he's easy to pick on. But there are times when you see his leadership, you see his love, you see his heart. 
Peter walks into the tomb and he sees the burial clothes. He sees the face covering. It was required, friends, that the dead be fully covered from head to toe, even their face. It used to not be the case for that to be so. The rich had their face uncovered, but it shamed the poor. The poor would have to have their face clothed. And so now at this time, everyone, all people, had to have their head covered. Peter sees that they have folded up all of Jesus' burial clothing in a place by themselves. Again, not typical of a grave robber, is it? I had a friend of mine whose apartment was broken into here recently. Uh, I don't believe they took the time to full clothes before they left, friends. I mean, if you're in a hurry, you're not folding up clothing. The other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. Nothing is mentioned about John and Peter communicating. Nothing was said. Maybe, maybe something was said though. You know, maybe they communicated, not mentioned, but Maybe just John saw that it was safe to enter. Maybe he just wanted to see for himself what wasn't there. He was clearly moved, though, friends, to enter into that tomb. Listen to what it says in verse 8. John says, I went in, I saw, and I believed. Verse 9 tells us they, that they did not understand everything. Verse 10 tells us that they went back to the upper room after they were there. This is a testimony, friends. It's what it is. In spite of not knowing all the facts, John says, I believed. I think this is a testimony, friends, of a... Of a an eyewitness of an empty tomb. A man who followed Jesus for three years, one of the closest of the disciples, and said, I see this empty tomb. I see the clothes lying there. I don't understand everything. I don't, I didn't know it all, but I knew in that moment that my Savior was alive. That he was alive. I believed it in my heart. I knew without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus was alive. The verb to believe here in the Greek is pistio. It's in the present active indicative, which means that the belief that is required of you isn't just a a one-time belief. It's just, it isn't just coming to church on Easter Sunday and saying, yeah, I believe in God, I'm good. No, it's a a constant faith that John had. It's a faith that says, I will follow you, Lord. I will believe in you. No matter the consequences, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, I believe. I believe. It's a faith that endures. A faith that lasts. A faith that says, I don't know what's around the corner. I don't have all the details. But I believe. I trust. 
Friends, believe in God is quite simple. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As, as Scripture says, anyone who believes will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on his name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul says in Romans, he says, if you believe, friends, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. This is the belief that John had. He believed it, friends. And it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed. I don't know what you're going through, friends. I don't know your situation. But I know in a room this size, in a, a church that's filled with people, that there's some of you in here today that are going through things in your life. You don't know why you're going through it, and you don't know how to get out of it. And you're looking, for an, you're looking for help, friends. And I, Trust me when I say this, that God is your help. He is your help. He is the, the, the lifeboat when you're sinking at the sea. When there is no other help, he is the grace that's found. Jesus is the answer. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that if he did not raise from the grave, that if Jesus did not raise from the grave, then what we believe is useless. The culmination of our faith, friends, is Easter Sunday, an empty tomb. And it requires of you faith, childlike faith, a faith that says, I believe. I once heard a man say, I ain't what I ought to be. I ain't what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Friends, God does not require perfection out of any of us. He does not require that you be a preacher, an associate pastor, a, a tech director, a, a bass player, a children's director. He doesn't require that you be here every Sunday, he doesn't require perfection out of any of us. But he calls each and every one of us to salvation, friends. He calls each and every one of you to believe, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He calls each and every one of us to Christ-likeness. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he calls us to follow his example to follow his teaching, to become a disciple, to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. He calls us to service. Each of us will be called to serve, to use the gifts that God has given us for the kingdom, to share with others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' last command to his disciples was, go therefore and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be a preacher to do that, friends. 
You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a missionary. Friends, you can do things that I cannot do. You can share the gospel with people because it's not your job. It's because it's what you're called to do. It's what God has done for you. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you? Then go and share it with other people. Go and tell others what Christ has done for you. Go and tell others that your Savior is risen. That he is risen indeed. Friends, let me tell you something. God loves you. You will not experience God's love in any other human relationship, friends. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, God loves you. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, the blood of Jesus Christ is stronger. It washes away your sin. And all you have to do to inherit eternal life is to see and to believe that Jesus is Lord. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you, a risen Savior. Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for our sins. I thank you for the example that he was. I, I thank you for the man that he was. But I thank you, Lord, that he's alive today. And Father, that we can experience that same thing that we, while we're dead in our trespasses and sin, that we can receive salvation. And when we leave this earth, that we can be resurrected from the dead, that we can receive eternal life, that we become heirs to the kingdom of God. And Father, I pray that there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today is that day where they admit that they are a sinner. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as Savior and Lord of life. And Lord, if there is someone here today that's never done that, would you please penetrate their heart, Lord? Would you speak to them in a way that only you can? And would you give them the grace that they need to make a decision to follow you? Father, for the believer that's here that may be struggling with their faith, I pray that today would be a day where they renew their faith. And to say, Lord, I've been struggling. I've been far from you. But today I want to make a commitment to follow you. I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I thank you for what you're doing at White Park Baptist Church. I thank you for what you're doing in St. Joe. I thank you for Friday, but we thank you today that your son, Jesus Christ, is alive. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said.